0: Rewind the dynamite from the post rest in A double you, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubble. As we hear from John and Way Tay. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, yeah, this thing might blow. Everything you hear are opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the
1: forums and let them know. Rewind the dynamite starts now. Hello, way. Eh? What's up,
0: John? What's going on?
1: Oh, uh, plenty, plenty is going on. Lots of stuff to talk about. I'm excited. Are you? Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, as long as uh, I guess uh, it's it's not politics talk because not neither you nor I have seen the presidential vice presidential debate
1: yet. No, the right. debate is actually just winding down as we speak. I've not gotten to see any of it, so I was actually gonna plan to watch some of it after. Uh, we finish tonight, but I don't know if that's a great idea or not, maybe I should save that for uh, a better time
0: Well, I'd love to know how many people uh, listening to this right now actually watch Dynamite, because I I would imagine a great deal of interest in the other show
1: Well, you had the option of watching the debate when it began because the counter program, the debate was a dog-collar match
0: Yeah, uh, yeah yeah,
1: I would love to say two diametrically opposed options, but after last week's debate, uh, I don't know about that. Two weeks ago, hmm. yes, yes, I don't think we need any objects so, to keep people close together in this in this current climate. But all of that is to come. Uh, Way, how would you like to start things off? Uh, we've got uh, a T-shirt to give away. We've got news to get to, and then we've got dynamite to chat about. But you just direct traffic uh
0: how about in that exact order
1: well that's perfect because i was all set to note that all members of the post wrestling cafe automatically entered into a draw to win an item from store.postwrestling.com the greatest post wrestling store that exists and way let's let's dive into those names some new some old you all have your chance to win an item and that lucky winner is going to be Congratulations to Diego
0: Figueroa from Diego Figueroa from San Antonio, Texas. Congratulations to you, Diego. You win a t shirt from store.postwrestling.com, our official merchandise store. Uh one lucky winner from our Patreon, Post Wrestling Cafe, gets chosen every single
1: week. All right. Congratulations to Diego and for Post Wrestling Cafe members, of course, we are deep into the G1. We have done 3 shows this week already with a 4th coming out on Thursday afternoon and then Friday night. It's a it's an entire week of cafe shows. I don't know if we've ever done that before, but Friday night it is the draft, part 1 of 2 from Friday Night Smackdown. So we will be live for all cafe members to tune in at 10:15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh look out for that and you can even call in as well and share with us your reaction to the draft picks that are made on Friday night.
0: Yeah, so i look forward to uh, Zooming with all of you right after that. Uh, I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about. But right now on the feed, we just released not only our G1 shows this week, but also John and I reviewed Rocky three this week. It was a lot of fun to talk about that one. Uh, of course, featuring Mr. T as Clubber Lang, uh, the return of Apollo Creed, this time teaming with Rocky, and of course, hmm. Thunderlips, played by one Hulk Hogan.
1: That is true. So we did a whole uh, history lesson on on that particular movie and going back to 1982. So that is out. And then after Smackdown on Friday, we've got G1 shows on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, it's going to be myself and Mike Murray. And on Sunday, well, your special guest will be the man behind the B-Block reports, Mark Buckledy which I'm looking forward to hearing.
0: Me too. Yeah, uh, Mark's been doing our, our um, a great deal of writing, excellent writing about the B-Block, so I look forward to talking to him for the first time on one of our post-wrestling podcasts.
1: So lots of great stuff. A new show on the Post-Wrestling Cafe every single day this week, uh, and, and Diego gets a shirt out of it. I mean, what, what could be a better week than that?
0: The, the shirt for Diego,
1: I think, clinched it. That's that's it. The greatest week of all time for him. Uh, some news. Way, are you ready to dive into some news? Of course, yes. Let's go. This first one, not so much um, like um, an immediate effect, but certainly I think gives you uh, the, the the comfort level that pro wrestling companies are going to have in the state of Florida. It had been reported earlier today, and this story got picked up everywhere. It uh, came from a, uh, a sports radio talk show host named Andy Slater, who first reported this, that Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida had informed the Miami Dolphins of the NFL that they could now open up their 65,000 seat stadium at 100% capacity. Uh, So this is amazing because apparently the Miami Dolphins uh, have come back and said, we're good. We're going to keep it at about 13,000 for our next home game, which is later this month. Um, So it's the NFL team that is showing more restraint than the government in Florida. But um, uh, John Elba did uh, reach out uh, from Spectrum Sports to a representative from Governor DeSantis's office, and they explained that this, um, this decision uh, is not just specific to the Miami Dolphins or the NFL, it applies to all sports and events, uh, with Florida recently entering Phase 3. Um, I also uh, reached out to them, as I did WWE, I'm awaiting to hear back uh, any word on this, but Uh, Number one way, I think that this uh, tells you why WrestleMania in Florida makes a whole lot more sense and that it seems like there is going to be absolutely no uh, restrictions when it comes to running an outdoor stadium. But I guess the next question becomes, does Florida, is this, um, does this extend to indoor venues as well? Are there any limitations on sports and entertainment options in that particular state that, Largely, it's going to be uh, the wrestling companies in in our world that will be policing themselves. That's a great
0: question. My feeling is that we're not very far away from uh, the the relaxing of those restrictions in that particular state. Uh, but ultimately, you know, like we've seen with this NFL team, it, it, it'll be up to the professional wrestling companies themselves to uh, really, I think, restrict their, themselves because. I think, even though Florida- which,
1: is a, which is a very and this isn't like to say ill of anybody, but when you're leaving it in the hands of people who are uh, economically uh, pulled in certain directions, I mean that to me is like you're you're weighing the economics versus the public safety. Um, now this is not like we're running. Well, I, I guess they are kind of running an essential service in in Florida. I was going to say this is not uh, the same as that, but in Florida it actually is. Um, Anyway, I, I think that uh, Florida has certainly not gotten uh, high marks for their handling of this. I don't think Ron DeSantis is someone who is uh, uh, history will look uh, look upon very very favorably towards his handling of this pandemic. But I think for any sports entity or entertainment outlet, and wrestling falls under both, uh, that want to run whatever they, I don't think there's going to be even a slap on the wrist if they uh, of whatever they do at this point. It does not seem like this is a government in Florida that is going to be stepping in the way of any business owners uh, running their businesses as they did a year ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, part of me feels like though um, I think individual companies are going to be a bit more careful than the actual state of Florida because um, you know, a company like the WWE, um, they aren't just a Florida based company. They are an internationally based company. And I think at this point, like PR is, I would think a big, big deal for them. I mean, I certainly think for AEW, that's a big deal for them. They seem to be, you know, employing a, a larger amount of care when it comes to handling the virus. That is so much so that I would say, even if restrictions from uh, us, the state were relaxed, I can't see them just giving into to it and allowing it. But I mean, of course, anything can can happen between now and, and you know, um, anytime later this year or next year.
1: Yes. Uh, so anyway, that's just a um, a development to 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 monitor because I mean it, it does certainly cover AEW and WWE and and who knows if it'll apply to uh, other companies that may look at returning and that that is the the state that from the very beginning has uh, opened up their borders for anyone to come in and run. Uh, WWE has a new. Uh, class of recruits that they uh, put a story out today. And this is largely uh, the graduating class of Evolve. We have uh, Brandy Lauren, Kurt Stallion, Anthony Green, Leon Ruff, Joe Gacy, Josh Briggs, and uh, Jake Clemens all coming in. Uh, But the real interesting name that I think everyone should uh, look look at is uh, this 25-year-old named Jacob Casper, who was... um, he wrestled at Duke University and he started off wrestling at 187 pounds uh, for his first two seasons. Uh, then he redshirted for a year and moved up to heavyweight. And going back years, he was on Jerry Briscoe's radar. And Jerry Briscoe has talked about uh, Jacob Casper in the past, even comparing his personality to a young John Cena. Um, th- this guy was like, for an amateur wrestler, was a guy that he was a wrestling fan to begin with. And you could see like he had uh, designs on going into professional wrestling and was kind of like a, a Ben Askren kind of character that was not afraid to be very outspoken to, um, aid in his amateur wrestling career. Um, but anyway, Gerald Briscoe has been very, very high on this guy and he's 25 years old, uh, going into this system. He had served as a assistant coach at Duke for the last two years. Um, so he is someone that, uh, I think is a real interesting uh, prospect to, to watch. I mean, some of these amateur wrestlers, we see them come in and they don't they don't take to it, but it seems like he does have a grasp on professional wrestling and the entertainment side of it, and he's obviously a fantastic athlete. So I always take note of guys with that kind of a uh, foundation behind them.
0: Does he have any professional wrestling experience? Is he... No, Andy? no.
1: He's probably starting for, from scratch, beyond just, you know, his amateur career and then coaching uh I, to my knowledge he hasn't done any actual professional wrestling so he's a very he's a project
0: okay well i mean i'm sure you know he uh he's incredibly athletically gifted we've certainly had plenty of precedents from people of his background making very quick transitions so yeah we'll see uh
1: we uh, fox uh has announced uh that They're doing a bunch of uh, programming, WWE-related programming, over the next week to coincide with SmackDown's one-year anniversary on the network. They're going to be airing a Best Moments of 2020 special, which doesn't sound all that uh, must-see, but they're airing it Sunday around the NFL game, so you're probably going to get a lot of, like, bleed-over of people that are going to see some of this uh, program on Sunday. And then next week, they are going to be promoting next Friday's SmackDown on October 16th as the season premiere of SmackDown, meaning we've got the season finale on Friday night.
0: Technically, yeah.
1: Yeah. And they're going to do a a 30-minute pre-show on Fox hosted by Renee Paquette, who was identified as Renee Paquette in the press release, and Booker T with guests joining them from the Thunderdome, I presume by Zoom. So... Uh, they did this for that very first SmackDown with like the red carpet special. So they're gonna make it looks like the draft this week, and then next week try to make something big out of the season premiere of SmackDown next week. And and Renee Paquette do it, which she had said she would be doing the odd um special uh w- with the Fox Sports team. So this would uh I guess be included in that.
0: Any form of network support is going to be very beneficial from from uh, Fox to the WWE. So. Uh, it's, I'm sure they're very happy to, to be lended a hand here. Um, I, you know, it almost feels like such a, I don't know, hands-off relationship. Like it's that season premiere where you get that red carpet stuff. And then afterwards it's like, (laughs) it doesn't feel like they recognize the WWE at all. So once a year you might get one of these, um, kind of like feel, you know, Fox approved types of things and uh we'll see um if it this year if it achieves any sort of bump i mean we're talking about a great deal of hype last year for the season for that debut on fox uh but in that time from from last october to this october it's been a huge decrease uh and dwindling of the people that are watching this stuff so um how big of a of a bump can they get from this these two episodes um what do you think
1: I think they're going to get, um, especially for this Friday. I mean, they are going against the NBA. You've got the Major League Baseball playoffs, but I still feel the number. Like I'm looking at, uh, they did they did just over 2.1 million last Friday for a pretty standard show. Uh, for this one, with the hype of the draft, I, I don't sense the draft is a giant deal, but it's something. Uh, and they do have a pretty. You know, they, they've they announced more matches than typical for a SmackDown uh, with a build-up. So, I I don't know. I'm looking at, like, 2.4 as, like, your ceiling uh, of what I could see that this show doing. Like, not a gigantic increase, but I think it'll be something.
0: Yeah, 2.3, like, 2.4, maybe that, that might be the range I'm thinking.
1: I would say anything above that would be a massive success, given that, I mean, even with the NBA Finals, they're not... Uh, they have not been knocking them dead, but, I mean, that's still going to be a game that's doing your 7, 8 million viewers. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens on SmackDown. It should be a very noteworthy show. That's uh, that's for sure. Raw on Monday night did 1,686,000 viewers, so they were down 7.5%, down 5.5% in the demo, but still finished 6th uh, for the night. And they had the luck of going against not one, but two NFL games. Uh, the first one, which was on ABC went against the first 50 minutes of the show and did 14.6 million viewers. And then you had the regular Monday night game on ESPN that did, uh, 8 million, Plus you had the major league baseball playoffs. So I would say, Hey, being down seven and a half percent against this, uh, you can't take it as being, uh, too significant a hit. And, you know the big concern I think this year with Monday Night Football was going to be how far down could Raw fall to? Are we going to be seeing uh, weeks of one and a half million viewers? Well, they have not hit one point five million viewers. I would say during Monday Night Football, if you're staying in that one point six and higher, I think they'll take it. It's not great. We're not, even if you're looking at a year ago, this is this is down. But um, you're it, it's. So, like that's just the state they're in right now they have not fallen to historic lows going against the nfl which i guess is the best they can hope for and they had a lot of competition on monday
0: right and um yeah we'll see what the draft does for them next week
1: they really got hit this week with their their older audience the over 50 audience was down twelve and a half percent which is uh this was the lowest that demo has done since uh, mid-july on a show that was the lowest raw number of the modern era so that amount of football, I think, had a big uh, impact on what is traditionally like the most uh, loyal audience for WWE, which is that over 50 audience. So that's something to uh, pay attention to as well. We also had – I just wanted to make note of this, that on Saturday night, the UFC Fight Night card from Fight Island, this ga- – uh, they had a great lead-in from college football, but the main card didn't start until 11 p.m., and they did – a 1,097,000 viewers, which the main event didn't start until close to 1 a.m. between Holly Holm and Arena Aldana, which was, to me, like, granted, you had that great lead-in, but that tells me that a lot of people stuck around because uh, this number would not have been that high if they did not stick around for uh, most of the show. So I think that's a very impressive number given how late this was uh, that this went, and it tells me that the Holly Holm fight um, had some interest. Mm, cool Uh, Eric of the Viking Raiders has undergone surgery he uh, wrote on Tuesday that he uh, had been putting off this surgery for a long time and was working through pain and limitations caused by a surgical screw protruding into my triceps that sounds almost as painful as those karaoke scenes he had to do so this man had to have been in some enormous pain these past few months Uh, he said that he's excited to come back at full strength and I would guess he just thought that this was the best timing possible because they had apparently no plans for him with uh, with Ivar down and with Ivar injured. Might as well go get this taken care of.
0: Uh, I think in a way he <laughs> it's it's beneficial to his in-ring career, too, because, I mean, we've seen what what how they book guys. I mean, they either don't book them whatsoever or if they do book them, it's. It's not for very good roles. Uh, J- Jey Uso, aside
1: unless of uh, yeah, I was gonna say unless Eric had a cousin we're not aware of.
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah, good. You know, might as, might as well take advantage of the time off. Uh,
1: I haven't heard any update, but apparently tonight on NXT there was some kind of injury with uh, with Ridge Holland. I haven't seen any of NXT, so I didn't even see how uh, it. Just seems like he caught Oni Lorcan and his like leg buckled, and they stretchered him out and. Uh, from all indications, it sounded like a legit injury, but again, I have not seen any of it, uh, but I have asked, and if we hear anything, we will we will update people on that. That seemed to be a, a notable uh, item coming out of NXT tonight.
0: Well, that's some bad luck, because uh, Finn Balor tweeting today that he has a broken jaw in two places. Yes. Um, so
1: It's a uh, bit of a curse of this man. NXT title. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, very unfortunate, but it doesn't seem like they're stripping him of the belt, you know? Um, so
1: so hard to do that now after you just went through all of this to to crown him i guess they're going to just look at the timetable for it um
0: they might have announced yeah. something on today's show uh, again we haven't seen it yet so yeah
1: yeah i'm sure Brandon and davy will have uh, the latest on on there um there you go that is uh all of the news that is uh coming out of today and uh just looking ahead way to to friday uh where, where's kind of your your thought on just the the draft and any any strong thoughts going into this particular draft for on the on Friday night
0: i don't really have any strong thoughts as far as you know predictions of who's going to jump to what show i'm really just looking for a reset i mean i think a lot of these these two rosters i think at this point are are kind of uh, have kind of reached their their maximum um in, in particular some of the undercards they felt incredibly stale as of late and i'm not going to say like you know changing up the rosters is immediately going to freshen things up but I think it's at least a start. Um, I think it gives a chance for for the writing staff to, you know, start new storylines and put focus on people who in the past might not have received that level of attention. Uh, it, it can be a fresh start for a number of people who have been sort of on that back burner, but, um, you know, haven't had anything lately. So I'm excited to see like new people rise up. I'm excited to see um, perhaps new faces jump into the main event scene. Certainly, somebody like a Big E, who's uh, really seems to be on the cusp of a big push, um, something like this might, you know, be be a catalyst to really, you know, start him off in a major title program. For instance, uh, perhaps the return of a Kofi Kingston or whoever is out there that has kind of been waiting and and really not not been heard from. So I'm just excited to see new directions.
1: Yeah, I was like looking at the SmackDown roster and. Man, when you look at their babyface side, now granted, two of their bigger babyface stars are on the sidelines in Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. But it's not like those guys went out and they were top guys when they went out either. But the current list of their babyfaces, it's like you could argue right now, Jay Uso is the top babyface on that program with Jeff Hardy, Matt Riddle, who I think has been really fumbled, Big E, who is, you know, he's on the cusp of something. And then it's like Shorty G. Bo Dallas, who I think was a babyface last we saw, and Mojo Rawley. Like, that is the babyface side. And then you have uh, Otis Otis in there as well, if you want to uh, add him. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. So, yeah, we'll see who gets moved.
1: Yeah. Uh, We shall see. So that's coming up on Friday night. But tonight, it was the 30th anniversary of Chris Jericho that Dynamite was built around. I thought overall, I thought this was, like, a really great... Theme throughout the night, and I thought they set up the final segment really well with MJF. I agree. Um, I thought all throughout the
0: night there's an air of something you know special, and I think the uh, the little like all they really did was like you know reach out to Chris Jericho's contact list of celebrity friends, and um, just that alone I think made everything feel like it was a big time mainstream event.
1: So we started this off with. Uh, comments from the, the Road to Jericho special where they had other guys on the roster. One thing I liked about this was that when they were asking, like Santana and Ortiz or Private Party and Jungle Boy, um, pretty much all of them would mention, like, their favorite Jericho moment was an AEW moment. Like, outside of like uh, Isaiah Cassidy men- mentioning the light up jacket, like, they all mentioned AEW moments that I-, I thought was like a nice little change of like rather than just making references to. You know, you you could have listed off a dozen other things, but they made like AEW seem like, you know, this guy, he's 30 years in, but he's doing all this great stuff now. Which is, uh, you certainly can make the argument he's doing the most relevant stuff uh, during this run.
0: Well, in the case of like Jungle Boy and, and Sammy Guevara, I mean, he, they chose moments that were specifically <laughs> involving them. You know, like J- Jungle Boy's was when he had a match with Chris Jericho. Um, Sammy Guevara's Sco- was well.
1: Scorpio Sky.
0: Yeah, Sammy Guevara's was when the inner circle formed. Um, so it all, of course, like would be believable and realistic for them to choose those things, but it does have the side effect of like, yeah, uh feeling like feeling making this guy feel like he's in the prime in this company.
1: Miro and Kip were on the floor playing with an arcade, uh, and that was literally the only reference to this that we had. Uh it just seemed like they went to the trouble of getting a physical arcade and there were there was nothing about this on the show at all
0: i think it just continues to show you the presence of um their characters i mean they're really going full on they are just um gamers like that's that's the character right so i really just i think they're to convey that
1: They also mentioned tonight that they are back at Daly's Place next week. They were promoting the tickets for next week. So it meant that they did tonight's show and they just did the one-off this week. And then they're coming back next week. Yeah. Taz and Ricky Starks are on commentary at the beginning. Uh, Sorry, Taz and Ricky Skaggs.
0: Yeah, Ricky Skaggs, um, the musician. The musician. Was this an attempt at a joke?
1: I thought maybe it was. It certainly didn't land. Hmm. They just kind of moved on from that. Um, yeah, we had a pretty packed commentary desk. Had they not done the on-camera at the beginning, you would have never known Ricky Starks was on commentary because he got in maybe two words during this first match. Hmm. It was mainly Taz doing the uh, the lifting for the team. So it's Brian Cage, Will Hobbs for the FTW title. Taz notes that the title is not recognized. It's a rogue belt, but it is being defended here. And... Excalibur, uh, who I thought was great tonight, he he explained like the backstory of Will Hobbs, and a story I had never heard was that him and his older brother had this dream of being a wrestler and manager combo, and his older brother died shielding Will from gunfire. That's and crazy. it was like such a it was such a heavy story that like Taz couldn't even do like his shtick coming off this. It was like, what what do you say after that? Like you can't uh you know play your heel character on this guy right after that but man what a what a story i had never heard that about this guy i
0: mean neither not not that much is known about him at least you know to the common AEW fan so um i'm sure you know we'll get to hear him speak a bit more perhaps about that incident and just his life in general and in the weeks and months ahead
1: so they had like a like a big power man style of match where you know cage is going to shine in this kind of uh you know. Uh, output he did his uh standing moonsault and then there's a backdrop suplex by hobbs so the idea is like hobbs is able to keep up with brian cage who is the veteran um there's a power slam for a two count sit out power bomb and then cage hits him with an f5 hobbs kicks out of that and responds with a release german they both go down from a double clothesline and then hobbs hits a big spine buster misses with the frog splash and that allows cage to capitalize with the drill claw and pin will hobbs in nine minutes seven seconds
0: i thought it was a pretty good dynamite debut for will hobbs uh as a presence he clearly has that on tv going up against somebody you know arguably with uh, the most impressive presence on on just on on the surface in brian cage the man looked very much like he fit in this show um And I think the rest of it just has to come down to experience and, you know, how they push him. But hopefully he'll develop very fast. I mean, this to me seems like it's a long-term investment for AEW that will probably, you know, bear fruit in big ways several years later if he stays on the right path.
1: Yeah, he's like, he's deceptive when it comes to the experience level. Like, he didn't have a gigantic name attached to him. But, I mean, he has been wrestling 11 years. But, I mean, this is obviously a big step up for him in terms of just, you know, you, you can wrestle for a decade on the independence and it doesn't mean you're wrestling, you know, you're not getting in even 40 matches a year. So it's, it's certainly a big step up of who he's working with now. And obviously someone that has, you know, won himself over in this company and they're you know, this was a, a good introduction for him. And I think the next step is also kind of developing, you know, a personality form as well so that we, we hear from him, uh, which would be, Kind of what what I would do next with with Hobbs, and I think aligning him with like Moxley and and in the post match here with Darby Allen, it's good to have him kind of associated with two of your more popular baby faces. Um, Taz said that Hobbs was impressive in the match, offered him a spot in Team Taz, and he had the option of joining. Or Cajun Starks are going to beat the hell out of him. And with that, Darby Allen came out, and Cajun Starks just calmly left the ring. They wanted no part of this guy. And Taz told Alan to keep his nose out of their business. You rotten punk. And that concluded this. So probably a tag we will have come out of this.
0: Yeah, the tag we we're probably supposed to have.
1: Or the- Hobbs and yeah. Alan could be like a, a fun t- team together. Like they, they're very like opposites, like with the Power Man and the Daredevil together.
0: Well, it seems like they were starting something with the two of them in Moxley, right? As a whole, like almost like a kind of a faction but not really
1: yeah yeah. so we we kind of have this this loose association now we'll see if uh, Moxley is still uh, pals with these two when he comes back then we had the first of many videos sent in congratulating Jericho on 30 years as a wrestler (laughs) including several who had no idea Jericho had been doing this so long including Slash who uh, just his amazement was uh, uh, revealed here on his video then we had Dennis Miller being Dennis Miller for 30 seconds, and then the dynamite debut of Hiroshi Tanahashi.
0: Yeah, pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite, Ted Irvin, mm-hmm. who's sporting his tap out gear, and he tells Chris, his son, to, you got to go out there, get to work, kick some butt, and he gives this uh, perfect dad speech to Chris Jericho. I thought Ted Irvin was great here. And then you had Bully Ray just chugging the bubbly. And that was uh, that was our first crop of messages sent in. You know, all these videos,
0: um, you only, like for some of them, you got very, very small clips um, and they probably look to be far longer than that in oh, their original yeah. form. So I hope that there's some place where, you know, they, they would upload the full messages for the audiences to see because some of these just looked extremely heavily edited down. And I understand why, of course. I mean, this is a wrestling show. Uh, there are a lot of these. And, you know, um, you don't really have time for all of them. So, yeah, I hope they would upload these in full somewhere.
1: Yeah. And some of them, it was a degree. Like, some of them, it was a celebrity factor that, I mean, they really had nothing to say beyond, hey, congratulations. Like, Lars Ulrich was just struggling to fill out whatever. And they just, there was just a hard chop at the end. It's like, okay, we we got enough of Lars here. Lance Archer. uh there's a video for him pumping up the match for next week. And this was very smart. They, they did not ignore the Texas death match. He brought up their match from January 4th and that Archer has learned a lot since then. And now he's pissed off going into this match next week.
0: Yeah. It's cool to see them continue to recognize like new Japan history. I mean, or at least recognizing that wrestle kingdom is a show that, you know, uh, a great deal of our audience will be familiar with and might ha- may have actually seen um yeah we'll see we'll see if they continue to to recognize new all new japan and actually other other leagues
1: i wonder if they had always planned for this week and next week to be live shows or if archer's uh diagnosis had anything to do with that like pushing it off cuz we, we didn't see him at all live this week i'm sure he wasn't there don't know ftr against Angelico and Jack Evans for the AEW Tag Titles. They explain they're getting this title shot because they're on a three-match win streak on AEW Dark. And we had the Young Bucks, including the returning Nick, watching backstage, and they brought up Tony being attacked last week with the super kick. He says it's awkward, and Ross calls it unprofessional conduct, and what they can do is raise the fines or take their asses off TV, but that's Tony Khan's call. And Shivani just said, Shivani's just a likable uncle. He's not going to hold a grudge because deep down he is a fan of these guys. And he's like, you know what? Sometimes you get super kicked. Very understanding man, this Tony Shivani.
0: Sure, he's been through it before.
1: I'd be pissed. First, my phone, and then you super kick me? Fuck these guys.
0: He's still a fan. Yeah. Good thing you're not doing that job.
1: And Helico got caught by FTR on the floor, and Evans dove, taking all three down. Tully distracted Aubrey Edwards, so they got the advantage on Evans, and his leg is dropped on the guardrail, and this began their beatdown of Jack Evans' leg, including Wheeler applying the figure four around the post. Uh, Then they go to picture-in-picture, and this was some of the best stuff of the match, where Jack Evans tried for this Hail Mary small package, and Jim Ross said that that inside cradle may have been the ugliest one I have ever seen in my career. They continue to work the leg, and Cash Wheeler (laughs) starts doing and Helico's dancing just to make fun of him in the corner. And then we come back. Oh, we also got Shivani and Jim Ross talking about the Anderson brothers, and they both agree that people, they... Don't talk enough about Gene Anderson. People just talk about Ole and Arn. And Shivani agrees. He's like, you're right. You're right. And then we came back. This was a very entertaining commentary during the picture-in-picture. There are a lot of great
0: gems on that fight app.
1: And Helico gets the tag. He applies his double submission on FTR. But then the advantage shifts. Uh, They have Wheeler in their corner. Harwood hits this German. And then it's into a dragon suplex onto Evans. They. They go for the cover. Evans is fighting back. Uh, and Helico then lands on his feet on the floor and gets hit with like this gory special where he's dropped onto the edge of the apron by Wheeler. And they do the super the superplex splash power and glory combo uh, with Cash Wheeler pinning Jack Evans at 1338. And Ross suggests that this move at the end, the superplex and frog splash, were a signal to the Young Bucks because the FTR were doing something high flying to get the Young Bucks' attention. So... FTR retains. Uh, I didn't think this was the, the strongest uh, tag match we have seen involving FTR. I thought it was a little loose at times. Um, but, but what did you think about the uh, one of the rare appearances we've had of Evans and InheliCo and for a pretty lengthy match here, almost fourteen minutes they went.
0: I thought it was a good match. You know, both teams were working really hard. I think FTR looks really good uh, in you know with great intensity throughout the entire match. I really like InheliCo's submission style that we continue to get to see little bits and pieces of whenever he's on. Um, There's like a real unfortunate, like, I don't know what he was going for. Some sort of like um, corkscrew leg drop from Jack Mm -hmm. Evans that seemed to completely miss the mark. I don't know if it was Dax that was out of position or what, but not necessarily enough to ruin the match for me. I mean, I just thought it was a good physical display.
1: The young bucks then super kicked the camera operator for spying on them. And they forgot their wallets, so they did not dump any cash on them. And that was all we got of the Young Bucks tonight. Um, pretty pretty subdued when it came to the Young Bucks FTR teases that they've been doing.
0: Well, it's not the match that's taking place next week, so maybe uh, after the match next week, we'll see a bit more.
1: FTR are still in the ring when a pair of weenies appear on the screen, followed by the best friends coming out with weenies shirts that they have made they explain to the, the joke to FTR and call them weenies. And they are the number one contenders. And they're going to get their tag title shot next week per Tony Khan. And they duck the belt shot attack by FTR. And FTR bails. And the best friends hold up the belts. Confirming they're not winning these things next week. But we have another title match for the anniversary.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, best friends definitely feel hot going to this match after that street fight. Um didn't like the promo a whole lot, but I mean that's that's not why people like the team anyway.
1: I'm sure they're going to make some money off these shirts. Guaranteed, they're probably already up on on pro wrestling tees. These
0: weenie shirts, really? Weenies. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay.
1: Guaranteed. Um, yeah, I think next week you could like you have a long time until full gear. That's the next pay per view. Yes, full gear. You could do the bucks. Just you know, they walk out after next week's match or something, and then that propels you into the pay per view.
0: Yeah, these builds are usually quite straightforward and and pretty simple, so yeah, probably getting exactly that.
1: MJF did a promo. He said he first got to meet Jericho after Double or Nothing. He said he was slightly inebriated, and Jericho told him, you've got something. And he told MJF to keep studying and pick and take certain nuances from people that you like, and MJF pointed towards Jericho. And he says that he may or may not appear tonight for Jericho. And man, by the time we were through this and had all these video messages, it was like, man, you're going to have Jericho's going to feel like a babyface by the end of this match tonight. And I thought this promo guaranteed we were getting Jericho getting destroyed on his anniversary. That's where I thought this was all leading to. I thought we were going to get the big angle on his anniversary.
0: Hmm, okay. Definitely, uh, I think it was purposely done to let you to believe that. I mean, it was an oddly genuine and sentimental promo from MJF. And I think if you see something like that coming from an MJF, it has to be done for some form of swerve. So it, it probably wanted to give you exactly that impression.
1: Then we had uh, Shaq, Gene Simmons, Don Callis, Lars Ulrich, and Diamond Dallas Page. We had we had everybody on display here. We had we had New Japan represented. We had Impact represented. Later we were going to have uh, Dragon Gate represented. So man, this was like uh, this is like the Jericho just bringing down all the all the barriers. He's breaking the walls down of political affiliations of wrestling companies on this show tonight.
0: That's it. He, the man's got a lot of friends.
1: And that took us to the dog collar match: Brody Lee and Cody. Uh, which they started several minutes before the debate began, so they got the jump on them. So Brody Lee is coming out, and Jim Ross notes the first dog collar match between Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine, who he says is here somewhere. I saw him earlier and kind of gave away the the surprise. That would have been like a cool little cutaway. Uh, but anyway, everyone was made aware of his presence before he was introduced. And there was Greg Valentine just sitting on his own, which is probably for the best. And uh, I guess no one was informing the Hammer that masks would be uh, appreciated. But he was alone. He, He had nobody around him. He just was this lonely man in the crowd watching a dog collar match. He's sitting by himself.
0: I mean, you know, like it's his one time. Like they flew him in here just to put his face on TV. He didn't have. He's
1: local to in Florida. I don't know how close he is to uh, Jacksonville, but I, I mean, he's he's based in Florida, so I'm sure it wasn't too bad of a, a trip in for the Hammer to get some screen time, no less. So, the match begins. Uh, Cody is out with Brandy and Arn, while Brody Lee is, uh, brings out John Silver and Anna Jay, and. They killed a lot of time during this break because obviously they want to wait till after the commercial to start the match. You had Brody Lee cut a promo on him and then we start and almost immediately Cody nails John Silver off the apron with the chain and Silver comes up bloody uh, just immediately to establish like you make contact with this chain. Your skin and flesh are being ripped open.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that seemed to be really Silver's role. Um, to i guess uh, be used as a demo for this chain i i totally understand it, and i think when you're delivering a match like this you have to you know give blood you have to give violence um i just feel weird when i have a match with three people doing blade jobs mm-hmm. like it's It's kind of uncomfortable to me, you know, especially when there's so much fluid, fluid being tested around, um, just with the, the mixing of like, uh, so much blood freely. It just, I don't know. I feel like at some point I'm, I'm not that comfortable with it.
1: If you remember back when they did, I think it was the Moxley Omega match at last year's, uh, was that, was that full gear that they did it at? That Tony Khan had stated like these these blood and guts matches be, before that was like the the name of their match like those were going to be saved for pay-per-view like they were not going to do this crazy stuff on TV and obviously that's been somewhat relaxed and they were going to do it with the blood and guts match back in March and here I mean this was this is pretty violent for television like they didn't sh- they didn't short anything they promised blood and violence and they delivered it
0: well they needed something to counter this debate
1: I guess so uh so cody scales the rope he gets yanked down blade passes uh the bl- okay so we had the blade pass the chair for the guy who just bladed john silver to sit down and take a breather and he immediately got killed by a cody dropkick and john silver was just uh the punchline throughout this um cody gets a uh, clothesline across the throat And then is DDT'd onto the chain, and this cuts open Cody. So he's all bloody. He comes back, hits a tope suicida, and then is yanked into the barricade. Uh, Cody pulled off Brody Lee from the apron into a cutter. We went through the break. I'm pretty sure this happened during the break, where Cody hits a package pile driver off the apron, putting Brody Lee through the table. So now Brody is bleeding, and he was bleeding significantly. It was
0: the biggest spot of the match, and it took place during Picture in Picture. So, I mean, um, they did replay it afterwards, but I guess a good ad for Picture in Picture, on the or
1: the I, Fight app, I mean. I guess, yeah, Fight was obviously got the big spot of the match. Uh, Cody continued. Uh, they're in the ring. Uh, he chokes Lee with the chain wrapped around the post, like a lot of, of choking, a lot of blood here. Lee takes a chair and just launches it in Arne's direction. Which, man, if it, if he had slipped, this, this would have killed Arn.
0: I uh, I don't know if it would have killed him, but it, it definitely wouldn't have been very
1: this, nice. He threw this thing really fucking hard. Oh yeah, would not have been good times for Arn. He would have he would have needed a uh, Britt Baker for sure. Yeah. Arn comes into the ring, and the returning Alex Reynolds runs in to take the Arn Anderson spine buster, which is probably a career highlight for him. Lee then hits Arn with the chain, so that takes Arn out of things. And Cody hits a top rope moonsault, hits the crossroads. Brody kicks out at one. Then Cody lifts him up for Din's fire, which is his version of the vertebraker, but that's stopped. He suplexes Cody onto his neck, and he goes for the discus lariat. Cody ducks it, hits the final cut. And then he wraps the chain around Brody's face, drives down elbows, and then hits the crossroads to pin Brody Lee in twenty minutes and twenty eight seconds. Uh quite the violent spectacle that they put on here.
0: It's what they promised, and I think it's what they delivered, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think they they tried to give you something that felt like it was worthy of um you know conjuring up these images of this dog collar match in the past being this like final destination um which i can say it hasn't really been recognized as such for probably like 30 years plus um so this was almost like an attempt i thought to you know convince you that hey the next time we do one of these dog collar matches it's going to be this brutal it's going to be something that you'll probably want to pay for um I think, you know, you can always count on Cody, like in these big mess situations to l- deliver and that this was no different. Um, he was quite fantastic. I thought Brody Lee was, was great as well. Uh, of course, you know, for something like this with this atmosphere of violence and the atmosphere of Cody trying to get this belt back, it really did suffer to me from a lack of crowd. And this being, I guess, a live show didn't even have the benefit of, um, crowd sweetening either. So I, you know, I can't help but continue to watch some of these thinking that, man, this would this would just be so much more perfect with with at least, you know, um, fake crowd noise. But uh, as as a match that that was put out there to be, you know, called upon to be a big match, I I think it absolutely delivered.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was if you had your expectation level, um, I think it was met uh, with this match like they had a really You know, violent, violent spectacle that, I mean, both guys worked super hard in this. And, yeah, they really, you know, I think lived up to what the expectation level was that they set up last week. The Nightmare Family comes out. The Dark Order removes Brody Lee from the ring and take him out. And Tony Schiavone interviews Cody. He says, man, this guy's been watching his Rocky movies. He says, there is no feeling like performing in front of a live crowd. And since I was 15 years old... I've been trying to reach you people over the aisle and said people thought I was going to take a dark turn because I changed my hair color. Well, hell no. I'm sticking with you people. And I want to defend my title next week. Was this a big debate that, Oh, his hair color. What's Cody done? I wasn't aware. Yeah. I don't, I don't
0: know if there was some buzz about, about whether or not he was turning heel because of the hair color. Um, i didn't think of it but maybe some did sure yeah
1: tony Shavani then says who are you gonna face next week and man what i would have done for that camera to pan over and greg valentine steps up
0: damn
1: wow no instead out walks orange cassidy who puts the thumbs up cody puts the thumbs up and that's our match next week which i mean mma math i mean the Cody just beat the guy who beat Orange Cassidy, but that's why people don't fight on paper. They fight in a ring. Yeah, so next yeah. week, it's Cody and Cassidy.
0: Rock, paper beats scissors, and scissors beats paper. <laughs> Been a while. Um, I The booking of this one is going to be really interesting because um, Cody just won the belt back. It, it was a move I wasn't necessarily expecting. But to have Orange Cassidy challenge Cody for that same belt after losing, um, an attempt to challenge, um, uh, Brody Lee, not that long ago, it's hard for me to see them having Orange Cassidy lose twice in, you know, six, like two pretty, like very closely tied together title challenges. Um, at the same time, you know, can you see them strip Cody of the belt, uh, after winning it just the week prior? Um I can actually see that. I think it would be a really bold move, uh which I think AEW has been known to do with their booking ideas, uh to have Cody win one week, have a big celebration, only to have him lose it immediately the week after.
1: I mean, they really expo- like he the whole story was that here was a guy that was killing himself doing these weekly title defenses and he ran into a guy that he overestimated in Brody Lee, and here he's gone through this war and he's immediately turning around to defend this title that, I mean, the story is right there, that if he loses it again, there's that explanation uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's, I kind of want to see how this all plays out. I mean, we we just came off of Cassidy losing to Brody Lee, which, I mean, this could all tie itself in together where it's like this fight over these three for the title and each uh, has a win over one of them. Uh, but we'll see where this goes. But mm-hmm. it's yet another title match next week. So we've got Cody and Orange Cassidy, FTR and the Best Friends, and then John Moxley and Lance Archer as our matches for next week. And I don't think they've announced anything else beyond that.
0: Feels like it's, you know, um, I don't know if I'll necessarily call it pay-per-view caliber, but at least feels like a Clash of the Champions, you know, like caliber level type of show. So they've they've done great jobs, like really you know not necessarily doing pay-per-views to build up um to but like having these tv specials to constantly build up to they've they've done a great job over the past year of of doing all that
1: yeah they also announced the addition of wardlow colt cabana and hangman page to the tournament joining uh penta phoenix and kenny omega and i mean we do have four episodes left but i think they it's get this. i think it's
0: jungle boy phoenix and
1: kenny omega Oh, sorry, sorry. You're right. Jungle Boy is the uh, the other one in there. But uh, nonetheless, this tournament has to get started soon. How many weeks? You got four episodes to get to the finals.
0: Yeah. Probably so. two matches a show.
1: One, two, mm-hmm. three, four. Maybe they'll start next week. Yeah. They got two more people they have to announce for. Mm-hmm. Alex Marvez is with Kenny Omega, who notes that he has won tournaments in the past, but he doesn't name any of them. And there will be no tournament like this. And this is the tournament to have your eye on. He says to throw anyone at him, including the tag team wrestler Hangman Page, who he continually identified as. And he's been destined to be AEW champion since day one.
0: He kept mentioning Adam Page's name while saying he doesn't care. Uh, He doesn't care about uh, any wrestler, especially Adam Page. Um, You know, you could throw anybody at me, including Adam Page. So, he's saying he doesn't care, but clearly he is uh, obsessed with with Hangman Page. So, it was an interesting promo from Kenny. Um, A bit different, but I think conveyed the the point.
1: On separate continents, are Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada involved in the same storyline? I mean,
0: you know, they're both romances uh, of a sort. Um, So... But not exactly the same. We don't really have an other. Well, the other, I suppose, is a singles But We
1: both have these individuals that are trying to move on from someone they don't want to rely on any longer. In some form, yeah.
0: I mean, everything is about love in some form.
1: Big Swole and Serena Deeb, uh, they had the arduous task of following that dog collar match and... They started off and they were working at like a really strong pace early on. Deeb uh, rebounded out of the corner and blasted Big Swole with a lariat and then hit a dragon screw through the ropes and worked over her left knee. They went through picture and picture. Uh, Swole was headbutting her in the chest and swung through the ropes and Deeb hit some kind of thing that was approximating a counter by attacking her back. Swole comes back, attacks her with another headbutt and a rolling elbow to win the match in eight minutes and 34 seconds. I, I thought they were in a really tough spot. But I thought that they. They work well. Save for like the odd spot in this. Um, I, I thought that they worked like a fine match here.
0: I enjoyed the match. Uh, yeah. I thought Deeb looked really strong. She did a great job controlling this one. With some really compelling technical offense. Targeting Swole's legs. Um, Swole was the victor here. And, and I mean clearly she is the one that. They're going to be focusing on. Uh, a lot more. But, um, I, you know, the Baker feud didn't really do a whole lot for her. I'll say like, it seems like that's fully over now because we're, we saw no follow up here. Um, she won that dentist cinema match, but really hasn't been seen since. And I'll really say like coming off of it, I can't really say how much she really gained. Um, her status to me still feels very mid tier. I would say still beneath the star power of somebody like Britt Baker, you know, even though like Swole won the feud, like, Baker, I think ultimately came out of it the bigger star because she had those very entertaining vignettes. Swole we haven't seen as much from personality wise, I guess. Um she does like the swole public public swole announcement on BTE. It's it's okay. Like nothing special. And if it's not on dynamite, like you know, it's not necessarily like getting getting her over like the way a dark order segment on BT might be either. So um, I hope to see them continue with Swole, uh, to continue to, to put some focus and story and personality behind her. But, uh, you know, as another person to add to this roster, like Deeb is totally solid. So uh, maybe, you know, she'll be set for, for a story next.
1: John Moxley did a promo uh, hyping up the match with Archer. He said, every man, every person he beats, there's another one waiting. That's the life of a champion. You don't beat a guy like Lance Archer. You simply survive, and he barely survived after the Tokyo Dome. And really, it's a coin flip. And he's going to leave everything in the ring. Maybe he wins, maybe he loses. That's the game. And to beat him, you're going to have to unstrap the belt off of his dead body.
0: Unstrap the belt off of his dead body. Yeah, wow
1: means he's going to wear the belt for the whole match, I guess.
0: Maybe he means, like, the other belt, like, his actual, like, belt. Oh, that holds his pants
1: up. Oh, okay. Then we had uh, the ultimate collection of videos. Uh, People that you would never assume would have anything in common, but here they were all together. Lance Storm, Kevin Smith, Eli Roth, Gabriel Iglesias with Chavo Guerrero Jr. on Zoom because he's in quarantine in Australia. Steel Panther, Ultimo Dragon, and Paul Stanley. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that Steel Panther and Paul Stanley would be sandwiched by with Ultimo Dragon in the middle.
0: That's quite the party. Um, you know, like next time Jericho throws one of these things once this pandemic's all over i mean it it would be quite the zoom call is what it is so uh pretty cool i mean it it, again just tells you how many facets of culture like chris jericho has navigated through throughout these these 30 years uh and it felt like they really got a great cross-section of everybody for this one
1: this is like these are all like legit friends of his yeah it's like if you were to do like your aunt dude i wouldn't have i don't have this many friends there's no way I'd get this not. many. I, I would never com- be able to get this many people to to share a nice video.
0: I mean, I wouldn't compare myself to Chris Jericho in counting how many acquaintances or friends friends that I have. Like,
1: I'm not saying famous friends. I'm saying any friends. Well, I mean, who knows how close I, they are? I'm getting are. I'm getting five people, maybe, maybe.
0: I'm sure I, I'm sure you could do better than that, but um, five is really all you need, you know. I'd really have to guilt trip some people.
1: I think like, oh, it's got to be. On a phone. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, you have to go to. Bug Steel Panther to shoot a video for you.
0: It is a lot of effort, sure.
1: Main event is Jericho and Jake Hager against Luther and Serpentico. And they plug Jericho's new book that's coming out in the spring. Where he he lists... It's the ultimate list of Jericho. Or the full list of Jericho. Listing every one of his matches. It's at over 2,700.
0: So is it... Like, does he talk about the matches, or is it just the...
1: Like... I think so. I, I imagine he's not putting a blurb next to every single match, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it's a combination of, like, a, a catalog of his matches with, like, stories attached probably to, to some of them. Wow. Are you going to read it? Um,
0: not every single line, uh, but maybe maybe the odd thing here and there um what if
1: you what if you did a video listing off all the matches
0: well i think that would be interesting for maybe 30 seconds um and it'd be it'd like be-
1: that video i told you about listing all the all the craft breweries out there that was a 6 hour video
0: yeah i never i never watched that i had no interest in watching it so i don't know who would be interested in watching something like this
1: i think plenty of people would so the match began uh, early on. Luther and Serpentico are double teaming Jericho, and they explained that uh, Ross is noting that Luther does not have a last name, and they said he used to be Doctor Luther, but he lost his medical license. Jericho then hits the lion salt, and Excalibur explains that Luther suggested that maneuver to Jericho early in his career when they were traveling in Canada.
0: Very interesting.
1: Very interesting anecdote. Luther gets his feet up as Jake goes for the Hagger bomb, which Jim Ross just dismisses, says, that was too predictable, Tony. Jericho is playing to the crowd. He's the ultimate baby face here. Like, it's not a giant crowd, but they're cheering for Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where they mentioned they'll be live next week at Daly's Place. Serpentico Pentico um, got launched onto Hagger and Jericho on the floor, and then Luther... Did a somersault dive onto the inner circle on the floor. And we got Luther, who was, you know, just trying to turn back the hands of time here. As he fired up, he did a King Kong knee drop. Jericho kicks out of it. Then J- then Luther's on the outside. He slips off the apron, which I think it was Ross, was really quick on his feet to note that he's got some unconventional shoes that he wears that makes it more slippery. So Luther climbs to the top, and it looks like he's going for Tenzon's calf branding. And, dude, his legs were so shaky here. Like, you were just, please do not fall down. But he finished it and just kind of drove Jericho's face into the mat. Jericho gave this guy everything. He took a German. Uh, Luther then gets the Floyd, the bat, and nails Jericho with it. And they did, like, the one big near-fall spot for Luther here that Jericho kicks out from. And then Sammy Guevara gets on the apron, Luther knocks him off, turns around into the Judas effect, and Jericho pins Luther in 9 minutes and 5 seconds. Hmm.
0: Yeah, Uh. you know, this was um a, a different type of main event for, for AEW, uh, for an edition of AEW Dynamite. And I think, you know, as you're watching it throughout, I mean, this is Luther's, it might have even been his first match period on Dynamite. I think it was. Um, and he got a main event spot. No, not only did he get the main event spot, I mean, he really had this match like you know, uh, crafted around him to showcase him. And when you, uh, the 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 issue, I think, what c- comes down to like the story to me, like this was an incredibly impressive performance for a fifty-one-year-old. Okay, and and to see like a, a man like Luther be be able to execute some of the things that he was attempting to you could tell this meant a whole lot to him it was the biggest match of his life and he was uh very ambitious and i think for the most part was able to execute most of what he was attempting but you know that story isn't really there and you know for if i had been familiar with luther my entire life and i'd seen him and you know uh this was like you know the big the man's like big big moment you know to finally be able to showcase on a national stage what he's got uh digging digging deep to you know do just even this like dive off the like this plancha onto the inner circle on the floor i think i'd be watching it with like you know um far far more i think uh appreciation for it but with this being the first time that i think many people have seen luther like he he definitely looks older but because of the face paint because of the bald hair it's actually quite deceptive and what i think expectations were perhaps going into it was that this was going to be like any other aew main event and it really wasn't because you you ultimately got to see you know the his limitations shine through but like i said it all comes down to context because you know limitations in 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 a general aew main event sense um you know is is one thing but when you consider the fact that this dude is 51 years old after an incredible I guess you know very grueling physical career doing what he was able to do on this particular in this particular match you kind of watch it with a different level of appreciation I don't know if I got that level of appreciation while watching it but um it, I, I think it, it was like clearly what Chris Jericho wanted to do for his 30th anniversary you know and if anything that kind of maybe just shows um, it it it's it's actually quite symbolic. I, I would say maybe of Chris Jericho's career, you know, wanting to just give. Um, and it felt like he was, you know, using a big spotlight that might have been reserved for him to to give to a longtime friend for this main event.
1: In a weird way. Like, I, a match I kind of thought of watching this, like, this was completely done for, you know, it was for his anniversary. It wasn't like this was going to be, you know, your, your high level main event, which, I mean, you did get earlier in the show, but it kind of reminded me of that match with Okada and Tenru, where you could see, like, Okada wanted to give Tenru the greatest match he could at that stage of his career. And it was just, you know, it is what it is when you're doing that match. I think that was 2015. Uh, and in this one, you know, you just saw Jericho want to give everything he possibly could uh, t- to Luther. Uh, but you knew what the limitations were. we going to be here. This was not going to be uh, a classic. It was a chance to give if nothing else, Just a a spotlight for a guy that many people have held in like, you know, this was a guy that was a a very talented guy in the 90s who never really got the big break in his career. Tonight was a big spotlight on on him for this was more so an acknowledgement of a guy's career that he got to have this main event spot with one of his best friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like Jericho really like tried his hardest, you know, doing that road road to like promo that you were talking about on Monday, uh, trying to trying to do his best to be able to convey all that story in the span of what? Like, I don't know, four minutes, minutes, four minutes. And I think he really did as hard as he tried as hard as he could. If they had more time, it would have been really nice to be able to actually hear from Luther himself and to really build a proper story around this level of, you know, this performance in this match uh but as it existed it you know i guess they they were limited for for whatever reason
1: um, i bet if people listen like i i didn't hear it but i mean he was he had luther on his podcast today i'm right. sure people that listen to that they would have been like oh this is i'm i'm going to be interested in seeing this match tonight um but you you're right like if you're just watching week to week i mean this is this is a guy like you've probably never seen beyond crowd shots yeah so after the match there's all these Jericho chants, and he's just soaking it in. Again, I'm I'm so expecting the big angle here. Like, I was convinced it was happening. Um, Jericho thanks everyone, and he goes to, like, give a big thank you speech, and MJF interrupts. MJF was fantastic. He comes out. He says, cut my music. It's not about me. I love that line. I thought that was so awesome. Like, it absolutely is about you, but he's trying to give the, the veneer here that, hey, don't – don't play my music. I'm, I'm just I'm just out here to be... uh Just get a few words in here. So he comes out. Wardlow is bringing this not-so-hidden character behind him. And they had a hell of a time trying to keep him concealed. And I thought this was Frank the Clown. It was Clownico. Uh, actual clown. As MJF also notes that next week, he has a career-defining announcement. And he wants Jericho to be out there for it. And he hands him... With Clownico, another wrapped gift. And he unwraps it. It's a framed photo of MJF, which Jericho breaks over the clown's head. And then Jericho delivered the greatest Judas effect I've ever seen.
0: It it looked very painful. Yeah, He
1: killed this guy. <laughs> Jericho hates clowns. And don't ever interrupt me again. And they're staring at one another. And then they both laugh and say you got me and mjf puts his hand up this was so subtle he puts his hand up jericho doesn't even look at him he just gives him the most impersonal high five uh which was great this this was awesome this was just fantastic the way they keep just threading you along like when is this going to come to a a boil i think this program's awesome i just love it
0: They continue to really do, um, you know, the, like, increase and decrease tension really well with something like this. And it's very different from, I think, our usual types of breakups in that, like, you know, it's certainly different from, like, a Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho program. It's different from a Bailey Sasha program where, I mean, two guys are clearly friends. This time, they are kind of starting off as, like, enemies. Like, you know they don't like each other, but in the end they are trying to like put up a respectful front for one another and you know they're both being fake as hell you just don't know when the exact turn is going to take place and i think they'll continue to play with that push
1: pull like probably for a while and that's where the brilliance of tonight's show is that by the end of this show you want to cheer for chris jericho he was the mm-hmm. to- he was the biggest baby face on tonight's show and it served a purpose beyond just being a one week thing. It's like this program, you want to see Jericho as a babyface against this guy. True. I thought that yeah. I thought this show was great in terms of not just like self contained, but for building this program to be something bigger so that when that turn happens, you have a lot of sympathy with Jericho after just taking in this show and seeing him revered by all these people and has everyone's respect. The uh, the end occurs with like the heel locker room coming out and they're all having drinks and we got the total S N L close to the show and then the credit roll where Jericho took credit for everything literally, including camera four.
0: It was such a such a great absurd end to a professional wrestling program. Like out of nowhere, we're getting an S N L style.
1: I loved it. I thought it was so great.
0: (laughs) Complete with the same shots of, like, guys, like, drinking. Like, he was drinking with, like, the Blade here, like, champagne. It was straight out of SNL. It was... And with no explanation whatsoever. And that's how the show ended. I loved it.
1: I really enjoyed tonight's Dynamite. Like, so much. I, I thought this was such a fun show. And it ended on a really high note. But at the same time, like, you know this thing is percolating with Jericho and MJF. And, again, I thought that this served the function of further putting Jericho into, like, that baby-face light. Like, we almost had, tonight, it was Jericho was not this heel anymore. He was just, Chris Jericho. Everyone respects this guy. And you're gonna get that in the story, most likely. So, I thought this was, uh... I I thought it was just a great show. Really strong show tonight. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Well, let's see what everyone had to say about it. Uh, forum.postwrestling.com is where we go next. And, tonight's poll, we got... This show receiving a 7.38. So I don't know if that would be quite a home run, but it was a a positive show nonetheless. Anthony writes, after that opening match between Will Hobbs and Brian Cage for the FTW title, I have to ask you guys, what is your favorite meaty sandwich? I am partial to a Montreal smoked meat with a nice coat of Dijon mustard.
0: Oh, Montreal smoked meat sounds great right about now.
1: Can't go wrong with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Dijon mustard, sure. Maybe uh
1: I, I really like um hot mustard. I'm a I'm a big fan of like hot
0: mustard, okay. Oh
1: yeah. You've ever had like uh there's like the, the Keens brand, it's very good. I like honey mustard. Honey mustard's good. Like they it's hard to fuck up mustard. Mustard's a you either like it or you hate it. Yeah. I like mustard.
0: All right, thank you. Uh Noah from Vaughn says fantastic show tonight. Brody versus Cody was absolutely amazing and one of the best matches in dynamite history. Hobbs and Cage kicked things off with an awesome Haas match that really legitimized Hobbs, in my opinion. I loved all the cameos throughout the show, but I thought Tanahashi's was the most surprising, but a promising sign. Nonetheless, Jericho looked so happy tonight, and I thought, although the match wasn't anything special, you could tell that Jericho was having the time of his life out there. 9 out of 10 show tonight. Do you uh, look any deeper into the Tanahashi appearance?
1: I don't. Um... I think that that's naturally where everyone's mind is going to go, and I think it was brilliant to have that in there. Um, but I don't I, think
0: I see. I don't think that was done with any sort of like ulterior motive. You know, like I think he reached out personally to a friend. Hey, it's like I'm turning, I'm celebrating 30 years. I guess he would have had to clear it with the office too, right? I would imagine Tanahashi
1: probably. Um, but again, it's like Jericho knows full well what the reaction to a new Japan wrestler on Dynamite is going to receive. Sure. <laughs> but we also, I mean, last year, everyone went nuts when there was that Kota Bushi tease. I mean, that that went nowhere. There was no ulterior motive to that beyond just a, a one-off thing, that video game that, thing.
0: Yeah, I think that was just Kenny and the guy who made the video. Like, yeah. this is something they wanted to do. Do you think he asked so, Naito? No. <laughs> or evil.
1: Toriyano appears oh. on screen. Could have been many, many options, but, uh, Hey, there's this Tanahashi making his, uh, his dynamite debut. All right. Well, everybody, uh, you can go check out up next with Brayden Harrington and Davey Portman, as they'll be chatting about, uh, all the latest with NXT and man, several injuries that are, have occurred to the NXT brand as well. Way and I are going to be back Thursday afternoon with our G1 Climax podcast going through day 12, which is a B-block show. And then Friday night, Rewind to SmackDown, we will be live ten fifteen p.m. Eastern time for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. There's no party like the Rewind to SmackDown party in the Zoom room on a Friday night way.
0: Uh, no, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, This will have been our, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six. It'll be our eighth podcast in the stretch of five days, so um, apologies if my energy was a bit lower on this episode, but um, we're we're definitely in the thick of uh, a lot of activity here.
1: No, uh, much like, uh, well, I would say, unlike Seth Rollins, I do not require an apology from you. Uh, I just hope that when I have my 30th anniversary special, you'll still send in a video. I hope you're one of the five. Oh,
0: don't worry. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll even jump on Zoom whether I'm quarantined or not. Don't worry.
1: Oh, how, how kind of you. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, what should I watch? Should I watch? Should I just go and watch the debate, or should I watch NXT?
0: Both at the same time. Why not?
1: Put them on side by side. Yeah. Okay. Listen Maybe. to the debate.
0: Watch NXT.
1: If, if I was, like, uh, out of my mind, maybe there would be some amusement to uh, watching the vice presidential debate on mute with, like, wrestling promos playing at the same time. That would maybe work better for the Trump and uh, Biden debate. Hmm. Okay. I'm done. This has clearly been my eighth show in as many days, and uh, everyone needs a break. So goodbye.